This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now. So I'll play it for you. It's a... called My Old Man. And Hotsifer, Wesley, looks so, so comfortable holding the ball up. Good overlapping run by Gilbert, and there's the opening goal. The Villas, pre-season, just got a whole lot hotter. Ah, welcome to the offices of Michael Rogers and Bud Legal Associates. We're just uh, compiling our case against uh, Rupert Murdoch. Uh, Mr. Rogers, have you got those uh, photographs of... Yeah, here they are. Robert, is it Rob Dorset? A bit compromising. Yeah, well, that's what we'll need to uh, take down the Murdoch Empire. Uh, well, uh, uh, welcome to the My Old Man Said uh, podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me, Mr. Rogers and Mr. Bud. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> oh, oh, hello. <laughs> we have to do He's... that again. <laughs> still, still uh, in shock from the uh, the cricket final. It would appear, Mr. Bud. What a win! I'm still recovering from my Virgin Super over. <laughs> You're just bringing this up because you knew I had a ticket and that I couldn't go. Is that, uh, is that yes? Uh, we're, we're, and, we're, and didn't we're, actually get an offer either. Didn't didn't bother offering us. You know, <sighs> not not his podcast buddies. Tell you what, as I said to you off air, it's funny how many friends that I got when I mentioned there was a ticket going. All these people became my cricket friend. Did you give it away or did you? Get no, it was, it was given away uh, nobly to a, to an avid cricket fan. Ah, very good. Right, so what have we got coming up in the show? Oh, all, all kinds of things. We've got the normal three points to kick it off, where we'll talk a bit about what's happening up in Geordie land, a little insight into uh, why Villa really got uh, Mark Harrison from the baggies to head up at uh, the Youth Academy, how Frankie Lampard's getting on, then, uh, well, we've got to obviously... Uh, tackled the Scott Hogan touch count before getting into the big 
questions of the Tyron Ming signing. Yes, he's finally here. And then we'll look at the uh, the centre-back uh, situation in context. And then uh, finish off with a bit of media Muppets, which I'm sure Villa fans will love. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about Rob Dorset and the, the Twitterati as well. We're going to leave talking about the new signings, Trezeguet and Douglas Louise, until uh, a future episode after we've seen them play. Also, we'll do an episode exclusively on the actual preseason friendlies rather than speak about them here. First of all, three points, and to kick us off, Mr. Rogers. It's my delight to report that Newcastle United are now officially competing with Birmingham City for largest regional circus. I mean, Mike Ashley is trolling his own fan base now, I think, is, is my view. that um, I think the only thing that he could do now to possibly offend them more than appointing Bruce is, is to sell to Dr. Tony. I think that's, that's all I can see. Or maybe him like, start up front for them. <laughs> something like that Benito's left because he said essentially the Premier League club did not share his vision so what is Ashley's vision do you think not to pay him 12 million a year well it depends where you sit on it I mean his view would be that he's trying to run the club uh, sustainably I think that what he's actually done is you know they're not competing on any level I think by appointing Bruce they stand to be it says what level what level and what aspiration they've got as a football club I mean, there's some funny stuff around the periphery as well. I mean, there was those tenuous links to to John Terry. Um, Big Sam was was in the mix, and I think has turned them down, and that's why they've gone looking at Bruce. But it, it seems to yeah. be what the quotes attributed. And Fat Sam hadn't even, well, as he said himself, he was very surprised to get approached because he hasn't actually worked for a full season. No, and it was it, it was the Guardian that was pushing the John Terry uh, mm. goss. Mm. Which uh, was a bit strange, but it's all it's all very strange. I mean, you got the Bruce angle where you know, obviously, Sheffield Wednesday held out a long, a long time for him. Moved to Newcastle. I just think it, it's it's an absolute car crash waiting to happen. I think for them, hilariously. Yeah, I think bottom line is they they somehow have to get rid of Ashley a bit. There, I mean, they've they've been mentions of being close to actual new owners in the last couple of seasons, but they've never got over the line. So uh, yeah, I think that the uh, they would be a contender for relegation. Mm. And that's not like some kind of serial uh, disdain to Bruce. It's just basically from our experience. Point number two, Mr. Bud. So as we discussed previously on the show, Villa uh, acquired one Mark Harrison from our playoff semi-final rivals West Bromwich Albion with the new remit of overhauling our academy. And if we uh, needed more of an insight, they've just sold or been gutted of one of their top young guns, one Louis Barry, an England under-16 striker who's actually gone to Barcelona on a three-year deal. Albion supposedly will receive about 235000 in compensation. Hang on, hang on a minute. I'm reading the show notes here. This definitely needs... He went to your, he went to your old school, bud. How he did. cool does that make you? It makes me quite cool, if not the second coolest person <laughs> to go to my old school now. <laughs> Carry on as you were. Yeah, this, this is Birmingham-born uh, Louis... Barry. I mean, the Baggies, I think they got into the, is it the semi-final of the uh, Youth Cup last season? And most of their players are from Birmingham or obviously the black country. Well, they've got more youth youth internationals than United and Liverpool. It's a, it's a youth system that's firing at the moment. It's a great name, Louis Barry. Sounds like a, yeah. a, a New Orleans blues singer. Or Gareth Barry's son when he was very young. It's definitely got a nice Catalan twang to it, doesn't it? But the th- <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of going to be like the, uh, it's going to be like the Yam Yam version of Julio Giordio, isn't it? And the culture's similar between the two cities. But the point is, though, uh, the Baggies were obviously nurturing local talent potentially better than uh, Villa were in terms of finding them and uh, plucking them into their academy. 
And if you're getting players that actually Barcelona are, are forking out with, uh, you know, forking out with when they're a teenager, that must be uh, him doing something good. So uh, hopefully you can uh, get to grips with the Villa. Uh, we mentioned it on the last show, Mr. Frank Lampard. I think I said that I think that Chelsea would be a bit, uh, would be sounder if they gave him a year or two to earn his stripes. And as Dan said, if he gets the job now, then it kind of plays into John Terry's master plan. And John mm-hmm. Terry obviously has his eyes on the job at some stage in his uh, mm. managerial career. But this is like another example of, it's like the, the world of Twitter is, is a world onto its own, where after the uh, the first game that uh, Chelsea played under Lampard, they drew against uh, Bohemians, obviously the Dublin-based team, won all. And then the next morning, uh, hashtag Lampard out was trending in the UK on Twitter. <laughs> That's probably Abramovich that started that, wasn't it? Yeah, well, more, more than likely. But it's just the way that the, the news now just... It's, I suppose it's because it's easy for the you know any even you know we're talking about the BBC here just uh, doing big articles about what you know random people on Twitter have tweeted about it and uh, and it's suddenly considered news when it's just nonsense, really. But do you uh, you know what? <clears throat> do you, I mean just to uh, summarize Lampard getting the job? I mean it was kind of inevitable because there didn't seem to be many other options, but. It's almost like it's cricket and he's gone in first to bat with uh, Terry next. I think he probably knows full well he's, he's, he's going into a, to use a cricket analogy, it's a sticky wicket, isn't it? It's, it but he knows he's yeah. kind of got a year that he can, he'll probably buy some favour with the supporters as long as the team is showing some kind of an improvement. I don't know what the expectations are you know, higher up. That'll be interesting once we get sort of halfway through the season and if they're nowhere to be seen, which most people expect them to be not challenging. It'll be interesting to sort of see how much those young lads that they've, you know, they're going to have to play. You know, they may thrive under the pressure. They may, it may become a burden, and the, the expectation of playing for Chelsea and the, the amount of games they're going to have to play and having to play in the Champions League, etc. So it'll be a, it's certainly been interesting first sort of six months for Lampard I'm sure you know he's obviously can't buy players because of the, the embargo but he's going to obviously blood the younger players in and I think maybe try to uh, get more of a team that the uh, the supporters can actually invest in but lads have come through uh, the ranks uh, you know similar to Villa what Villa are doing obviously getting a young team and we've got most of uh, what we had last season so the fans are invested in the journey of that team and, and you know Chelsea normally just buy whoever they want and uh, even though it's a good team that wins something, it's a bit different from when you really uh, you've gone on a journey with a team and that is, is not perfect but uh, overcomes the odds. Anyway, let's move on. First of all, a big big thank you to uh, the recent Mile Man said patrons that have signed up: Dave Forgem, Chris Williams, Dan Clinton, Joe Peters, Gary Holt, Falstaff. Great name. I love that. I That's love that brilliant. name. Falstaff is clearly from lives near Mordor. I need Falstaff to get on Twitter and just banish um, <laughs> probably about a thousand people on there. Summon Falstaff. Falstaff. <laughs> <You're- laughs> you need to eradicate these fools. Uh, also, a big thanks to Jay N. Ryle, Andrew Jennings, Neil Pugh, Luke Noonan, Jesper Beadle. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> okay, Sorry, it's childish, but I've put it in there. You've got to read it there. <laughs> it's on the list, Dave. Dan's just slipped one in onto the list. 
this is this is just like a throwback to the Simpsons when he used to ring up his uh, school headmaster. <laughs> used to call up. Used to ring up Mo, didn't they? Moe's. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, Moe's. Yeah. <laughs> when he used to ring up Moe's. Can I speak to Mankunt Itchy? Is it Itchy? Mankunt is Itchy. My cunt is itchy, yeah, so you probably watch more Simpsons episodes than me. <laughs> uh, sorry, back to the serious list. Thomas Knight, David Ahern, Carl... You're worried about the list now, aren't you? You're really worried about the list. <laughs> <laughs> Carl Be- Beasley, James Brown, David Charles, Jamie Grabbit, Jamie Fowler. <laughs> I don't know what's what's real and what's not. Mark Tatler and Nigel Curry, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, signing up and supporting the show. If you also want to uh, have access to bonus podcasts, which will be weekly, and actually I've got a, we've got a, we've just had one, we've got another one coming out as well. Sometimes, uh, as we're going to do a regular weekly show once the season kicks off, we're just sorting out the format. But then there's all, all also experimental and kind of ad hoc stuff, which is uh, kind of fun. Uh, Bruce Willis actually turned up in the last one. Good lad. Twice the real one and some imposter. <laughs> Speaking of imposters, it's time for the Scott Hogan touch count. Oh no, I can't it you. Right, we're off to Africa because okay. there's actually Villa players that, that have been playing in uh, the African Cup of Nations. So that's probably the best place to start. Can we play Toto <laughs> Africa in the background? Oh yeah. Scott Hogan in Africa. <laughs> so it's thrown up uh, a few shocks. Uh, first of all, Egypt um, somehow got knocked out by South Africa. South Africa had slipped mm. through as one of the uh, best third-place teams. I think they'd won one game against Nambia, and that was it. They lost the other two, but somehow they managed to uh, beat the favourites. Uh, old Elmo was there. So first question, Elmo who when in a villa context normally uh, is up there in terms of being one of the top touch count boys mm. he played the full 90 minutes uh, in their 1-0 loss against south africa who's going first by the way chris you can go first go on then how many touches did he have in those 90 minutes so i've given you a clue if you were listening about the villa connection hmm. i'm gonna say 55 Dan Rogers. 54. <laughs> 74. Come on! He's one of the top chaps for Villa, and, and when you get in top, you're looking at that 100 mark, so uh, Elmo I'm glad was... they went out. They deserve to go out to South Africa. <laughs> A bastion of Get, on, of get the back continent. on the plane, Elmo. <laughs> right, one nil. So let's stick with this game, because uh, Mo Salah obviously played, and uh, it's quite interesting to do a Mo touch, touch count meter reading on a player that's actually seen as one of the best uh, in his position mm-hmm. and uh, normally obviously Scott Hogan is a striker. Mo Salah actually had four shots against oh. South Africa but how many touches did he have in the 90 minutes? 20. 21. You could have let Rogers go first though. I'm happy to go with 21. Though. Rogers taken advantage there and makes it one all. He had four, <laughs> 38. Maybe Limbs. There should be bonus points if uh, you get the exact number. That could probably be a new rule. <laughs> Which none of us will ever get. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's move on to uh, the Ivory Coast and our big friend, uh, Jonathan Codger. Oh, sorry, Dan Rogers' best friend. He's anyway. my friend. Definitely, he definitely wasn't going on that plane that day. But, but Jonathan, you're getting on the plane with me. What are you? No, no, I'm just dropping her off. 
we got two questions from this game. This is the Ooh. last 16 game when the Ivory Coast beat Mali 1-0. First of all, Codger, who went off the 84th minute, got a got an assist, but how many touches did he get in 84 minutes? And it's I think it's Chris's go first this time. I'm going to say 30. Mr. Rogers. I think my mate Jonathan had 31 touches. Oh, 29. No, why is that <laughs> physically possible, could've, Jonathan? Could've, could've, How did we all get so close, Dan? It's because you know him so well. I've always, no, it's because I want to be close to you, Chris. You know Thanks, this mate. to be the truth. <laughs> you could have got that bonus point for getting it bang on. I don't on. believe that. Right, Rogers will be up <sighs> first on this. Marley made a substitute on the 52nd minute, mm. and they made a substitute on the 62nd minute as well. On the 52nd minute, they brought on Adoma Traore 1. And on the 62nd minute, they brought on Adoma Traore 2. <laughs> what is this sorcery? I don't Hang know. on a minute. Hang on a minute. Where are we going with this question? <laughs> so, uh... I think you should combine the touches of those. <laughs> yeah, so so obviously both have got a touch count. I mean, you can pick a 1 or 2, and the one who got the most touches wins. Or we can guess... A combined score for Adama Traore squared. Yeah, exactly. There's two of them apparently. Oh, okay. I-, I was hoping that Adama Traore one would have started the game and they've substituted him with number two. The new, the new, <laughs> the upgrade, the, the, the new and improved. <laughs> but what, if we, what if we had a Scott Hogan one and a Scott Hogan oh, two? That, that would be like that would be like paradise. It'd be like dividing by zero, wouldn't it? The world would just slip into a hole. <laughs> So, so how, uh, uh, how are we going to go? Use... Who's, so, who's first now? It's Dan, Rogers, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. I can, so, I can pick. I can pick which Traore I want. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna. I, I choose one or two. Traore two, please, David. Troy one had thirty touches. Oh. In fifty-two minutes. Well, he came on at fifty-two minutes, so he had oh. ten, 10 more minutes. And Troy two got twenty-five touches. So it's three-one to the bird, and he didn't even have to answer the question. Oh, this is very dubious. This is a banana republic, this is. Dan's going to be taking legal action. <laughs> so <laughs> Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. <laughs> Absolute nonsense. <laughs> anyway, last question. We'll, we'll, I we'll... can't believe I'm losing three. I'm, I'm I, don't really have, I'm, I don't even know how I'm winning 3-1. Winning 3-1. Even there, wasn't, there, wasn't even... there wasn't even a question. <laughs> Without even trying. Anyway, final question. Uh-huh. Quarterfinals, Ivory Coast, Algeria, one all, Codger scores. Unfortunately, uh, Ivory Coast go out 4-3 on penalties. The first thing I did was to see if uh, Codger actually took a penalty, but he actually went off on the 95th minute. So in 95 minutes, how many touches did he have? And this is back to Chris for the first guess. Ooh, I'm going to go with 42. Ooh. 41. <laughs> 30. <laughs> oh, it's a Hello, too little, too little late. Three, two. Chris Bud wins, and that's the first time you've won uh, for a couple of weeks, is it not? You're back in the game. I think so. I don't really feel like a victory, though. Yeah, well, you, you don't need to turn up to beat Dan Rogers. You shouldn't know that by now. I'm not relinquishing my Intertoto <laughs> Cup uh, on the basis of that result. I'm retaining that. I'm holding on to my Peace Cup trophy. No, I think you... there, there's potential here to make more rules as we go along. Right. On with the show. Let's talk the big news of the Villaverse. Mr. Ming's finally here. Now, I'm refreshing everybody's memory. We we discussed about would Ming's be worth 15 million. Rogers, you, you were even debating that uh, 
It's a lot Bour- of money. Bournemouth mm-hmm. didn't deserve their money back for him. They paid eight million yeah. from Ipswich, mm-hmm. and you were saying, did you say six or something? <laughs> Well, no, I think I was talking about, when I was talking about six, that was the figure that was floated around oh, right, offered yeah, yeah, yeah. to us in, in, well, not necessarily to us, but that was his uh, market this, value in yeah. January. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's mega money. Uh, what the newspapers are going with is 20 million and then mm. obviously add-ons, which could take it, you know, north to, yeah. I don't know, 25, which would, I would imagine, huge appearance add-ons mm. and, you know, maybe England caps as well. Well, what it, what it puts him into, I think I'm, I'm correct in saying, I think it puts him into the top 10 most expensive English players of all time. Is that true? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's certainly the top 10 English defenders. Right, yeah. The, the thing I'd say is that, and I, I I dropped this on the on the website is that it's a great signing. It really is all I mean, all the reasons why Mings comes to Villa Park is are the right reasons. I think in modern football you almost have to aside from absolutely ridiculous fees you almost have to park all these fees are monumental. They're they're all too far far too much money for you know no players worth what the yeah. fees banded around. I suppose the only thing that I, I worry about is is risk with injury that he's had. He has had uh, two bad injuries. Hadn't played a lot of football before coming to Villa. I don't want to be prophets of doom at all, but. It's it's a lot of money, and I hope I really hope we've done our homework on on his injuries, and I hope he stays fit. I really do because yeah. I think if he does, he could go on to be a big big player for Villa. I think talk of England is a little bit premature. Um, I think he's he's got bags and bags of potential, but I, but I think that when when we come up against top top sides week in week out, that's a, and it's a great it's exactly where I think Mings wants to be and where we want to be at the top table of English football. He'll be tested every single week, I think. Yeah, because the, the, I mean the hype train gets carried away, and the hype train with Mings is is absolutely massive. Uh, Especially yeah, yeah, with Villa, yeah. Villa fans and uh, those dweebs on Twitter. Uh, uh, <laughs> but looking at his injuries, I mean, he had the the knee injury, which uh, put him out for obviously over a season. But his next mm. next injury was a back injury, which what was that about seven months. Mm. So they're obviously unrelated, and he hasn't. It's not like when obviously Larson came to town and we knew going into that, even as a fan on the outside, you knew he was injury prone and it was the same, you know, it was pretty much the same injuries all the time. So it was uh, it was a risk and that was why Villa got a shot at buying him because AC Milan just mm. knew, you know, he wasn't going to be doing the whole season. The, the only difference between, and the, the comparison I think is fair between Larson and Mings in the sense of, I think we know about their qualities, the difference between Larson and, and Mings mainly for me is that Larson won a Champions League and a and a Serie A at the top of you know top of AC Milan's powers and then in the, before the injuries bit and yeah. we we did get bitten by that ultimately and and the injuries ended Larson's career yeah um, ultimately, at Villa, and I think it was it's less than a hundred appearances. Yeah, I, I, well, yeah, around like eighty-five. More. 80 he he played like pretty much like two seasons of, let's say, consistently. Yeah. He made, you know, I think one season he did the whole lot. This is quite funny when Villa running out the recent social media content on him, and uh, you know the. The guy, obviously, uh, who was asking the question said, oh, you know, tell us about your, that partnership with Melberg. But actually, they didn't play that many games together no. as, no, as a centre-back pairing. So it's, there's a lot of myth about Larson. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's about his injury. But yeah, yeah. it's the same with Dalian Atkinson. I mean, he, he was called sick note for a reason. And, you know, you look at how many games he played and how many games he should have played. Mm. And uh, if you want to know a reason why we didn't finish that title off against United, the first Premier League title, and we came second, was Dalian Atkinson disappeared for the second half of the mm. season, pretty much. But, I mean, with, with all that said, I think that we're, what we're trying to do is, is give a balanced view, aren't we, of Mings? And that's yeah. that's what I'm always keen to, and I'm, you know, we all are really. Great signing. It is It is a great signing. I think it's a it's a signing of intent. You know, there's a bit, it's loaded with risk money-wise, but but I I am pleased that we've gone out and bought it as much because we somehow need to keep um, from a, from a team that's, 
suffering massive overhaul. Yeah, that spirit, that 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 memory of of where we've come from last yeah. season, and Mings was central to that. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's the the key point. We got two of yeah. those five back, but we needed really a majority, and and Mings kind of mm. swung it, and he was a key factor of that. I mean, yeah. obviously, it's easy to be king of the castle in the championship in the space of eighteen games. Uh, that doesn't really translate as a basis of uh, how he's going to do uh, in the Premier League week in and week out. Mm. Chris, when, when you look at he had different partners uh, for Villa. I mean, in those 18 games, it, it shifted from House to Tuanzebi. And did you have a particular, let's say, favourite combo? I think um, towards the end of the, you know, the, the the back end of the 10-game run when Tuanzebi came in for Hawes, I thought that, that looked like the obvious pairing. I was actually quite a fan of Hawes. I, I think he's a really good player. I think he's very yeah. good on the ball. I'd happily see him... You know, involved in the starting lineup. I'm, re- I'm actually really interested the season ahead to see if and where he features for Villa. You know, having we've already gone out and bought Matt Target as probably a first choice left back. Yeah, mm. we've we've you know we've just gone and bought that Esri Concer, who's probably going to be coming into play. He's more like a Twanzebi style player, yeah. very good on the ball. And of course, uh, new recruit Bjorn Engels as well. Uh, yeah, you know, it'll be, be. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Engels is above Hawes. You know, in the in the pecking order and where. You know the five centre backs, you know, sit in relation to each other. So you kind of think, well, where does Hawes actually fit into the equation, or is he just a backup? And unfortunately, does does James Chester end up being the guy who misses out? Are these guys being brought in as cover to essentially, you know, wait and see where James Chester's going to be? Because I think he's only got a year left on his contract anyway. Mm. So yeah. it might be that they're just saying, Do you know, what we don't actually think you're going to be involved. When you wonder with Chester, sorry to jump in, whether he's actually he's he's suffered and played on such a bad injury that that he he would have to. I mean, the rest of his career, the word seems to be is, is being managed, isn't it? Really, yeah. From this, yeah. Point, this point on, you know, you talk about players like Tuanzebi. I think Tuanzebi has the potential to go to the very top of the game, and it, I'd be surprised if Man United don't take a view on actually using him in their own squad if they had any sense. Yeah, but Villa are also looking on the uh, Bjorn Engels as well. So and we've gone from this ridiculous position um, six months ago, where we I don't think I think we had one recognised functioning centre half at the club to um, flooding in. I think at least three or four recognised yeah. centre halves, but yeah. with a couple of utility players amongst them as well. Yeah, my big thing when I sort of look down the the list of our options as they stand is that you know we've gone out and spent. 25 million on Mings and it is a kind of a sign of where the the, the market is in that Mings is yeah. valued at that by Bournemouth when essentially he's actually unproven in the Premier League. Yeah. You know, he has one or two appearances but he's not he's not a player who's got a full season under his belt at that level. Hawes is in the same boat really. I look at someone even like the guys we've got like Neil Taylor who's kind of he's been in and around the Premier League but he's never really been a world beater at that, at that level. Yeah. Matty, Matty Target couldn't break through really at Southampton fully. Didn't get the opportunities at Fulham in the Premier League, so he's similar. Concer, I get that. You know, it's another big step up for him. So we've got a lot of guys who there's huge potential there, and that's brilliant. But there's no one who you look down the list and go, "Oh, he's an absolute banker at Premier League level." No, I mean just uh, this, this, this kind of mythology uh, in the media that we're suddenly blowing all this money and uh, we're doing an overhaul and we're doing a Fulham and you know we've we've touched how you know boring that is. But when you mm. actually look at it and you compare what we have now to what we finished the season with, Conza mm. was a Championship defender, mid-table team. He's replaced uh, Tuanzebi essentially, you know, similar stroke but different. So what is the difference from last season from a playoff winning team? Well, it's is Wesley an upgrade on Tammy Abraham? Well, Tammy Abraham scored 26 goals, albeit in the championship. Wesley hasn't had any uh, English football experience. So where else are we looking? Uh, Yotta, 
instead of uh, a Domar. If you wanted to put money on somebody being consistent, you'd probably put it on you know a Domar out of the two. Although I think Yota has you know potential. Uh, let's say Yota is a bit of a wild card. It could go you know any any which way. So what else have we got that's different from uh, last season? Target is potentially an upgrade and is that about it and Gilbert on the uh, on the right so the only upgrades I can see is if Wesley kicks hits the ground running and is a and is a handful and is a real uh, threat to uh, Premier League defenses and our fullbacks actually uh, add a complete new dimension to the outfit but I think we're missing something in midfield uh, to kind of upgraders but are we you know are we looking at we still got a championship a good championship team or are we uh you don't just suddenly flick click your fingers because we haven't i mean chris alluded to it in the last show we haven't bought that kind of statement maker that we've arrived i and i don't know if we're going to you look at the model i mean even you know the talk of someone like um phillips from leeds you know, there's yeah not potentially a big money signing but i still wouldn't put him in the bracket of a statement signing you're still talking mm. about a championship player who's never played in the premier league he could be a very expensive flop now yeah. he's a good player uh, yeah, yeah. and i'll give him that but as far as like i don't look as i said i don't look down the list of players we've got you know like are we bringing in sort of a player on a par with a Grealish, or that like you know what wolves went out when they got promoted and bought the Portugal international goalkeeper as an example. That, that's one of your catchphrases. <laughs> yeah, and they, and they went out and bought, you know, players who'd played in the Champions League. We're playing, you know, we're bringing in guys who've not even proven themselves at Premier League level. And, and, and paying quite fine, big money. But yeah. It's, yeah, but it is a risk. You know, we're, we're kind of going into the season in that cliche phrase. If we're actually just an unknown quantity to mm. ourselves, like the fans themselves, we... You know, people can sort of say, oh, he looks great on YouTube or oh, he's yeah. a great player, but no one really knows. And even you know, the players we had last year, you know, McGinn is an unknown quantity at Premier League level, so mm. is Horahan. And a lot and a lot of these players, if you if for example you were an established team, you would probably buy one of these players, like one, like say, you know, Konzen, and you think, well, let's see how he goes, we'll slot him in and bed him in and away we go. Yeah. Not and um, but we've we haven't got one, we've got you know, pretty much half the team is more uh, more. But than, we're hoping more than an half. entire yeah. We're kind of banking on a whole team all stepping up at the same time and, and being eager and hungry yeah, and yeah. yeah, fighting together. I don't think I don't think I object to that. I think that the the thing that the thing that struck me when, um, especially with the the the, the concert signing most most recently, actually, was that there's been a stream of signings. I mean, you just mentioned McGinn being one where um, I think Villa fans, in the vast vast majority, unless you've got an encyclopedic knowledge of football players globally, um, would actually say they they could actually know a great deal about any of the players we've really brought in, Mings included. You know, when he arrived, I think that yeah. no one really knew anything much about him up close. The point I'm making is that. I was just thinking, well, as, you, as you guys were talking about, you know, we, we heard Max recently on the show talking about over the last eight years what he'd seen at Villa, you know, and I sort of plug in maybe my knowledge of, of Villa before that. And we've we've been down the road of actually arriving into pre-seasons and seasons and acquiring um, familiar names, should we say, and at that time it would have been Premier League names. Who Milan Barros. It's a long, long list from Barros <laughs> to your Steve Stones to your Gino Laz to your... Kirali pajama wearing. <laughs> uh, Let's not talk um, about Kirali. <laughs> you know, but we've had it all really, and and I think uh, having seen what how how Smith managed to get together a group of players at the turn of the season, uh, fashion it with some injuries at times and with some um, imperfect performances into a into a squad that actually played with good phys- physicality. Um, 
generally a good ball playing team playing on the counter and on the front foot. Um, I, I'm intrigued to see how we're slotting players in and how. That's why little signings like Yotta are quite yeah. intriguing because I think it gives us a relatively low risk wild card. I think it was the word you used. Yeah. Where um, I think we're, we're in the in the luxury position. We're possibly arriving into our first Premier League season already with our marquee player in in Grealish. I do I do think that um, the test's going to be is will our marquee standout performers we've just talked about Mings Grealish um, do Yotta and players like that find the Premier League as their as their pedestal? Yeah, you know is that is that the division? Because it's very different to the Championship. Turning out at Rotherham is very very different to turning out at places like Spurs and Liverpool. And yeah, you know it's you know we we saw what Premier League football looked like for all those years. The Championship was a different bag. I mean, and we had a team that, if it played to its best, it would win in the championship. Yeah, absolutely, and that was the problem. It should have done for three years, as we said. Yeah, and that was the problem. It never, it it really was hard for it to get going. But if we play at our best in the Premier League, there's no guarantees we'd do anything. Yeah, against against Liverpool and you know Manchester City. I think um, Smith is banking on us being very much a unit. You know, we're not Mm. in the position at the moment to be going out and buying you know seventy, eighty million pound superstars. Yeah, like the big boys can do. We are going to have to be you know greater than the sum of the parts. Which we're very fortunate in that we we are going into the season with a player like Grealish. Mm. You know, we have someone who straight off the bat should cut the mustard straight away but there's there's so many unknown quantities you know we we could be a real surprise package we just no one knows ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah. I think it's allowed us to go out and and I do genuinely believe that we we, we have to be looking at Grealish as our marquee player, uh, who actually I think since we've been relegated, you know, and I think if fans in the Premier League have got a, an impression of Grealish, he's a, he's a far more developed, complete footballer now than, you know, physically and, and in terms of his intelligence on the ball than, than he was in that but relegation year. He's... In the last two seasons, had had a long injury and only let's played half a season. So I was just we're gonna to we have that. to cross our fingers yeah. that a he you know he steps up, but a he's around to step up. Yeah, that's that's a very good point, and I think that that's where as I was as I was talking, I was going to say, well, maybe that's allowed us having already having our inverted commas marquee player to go out and say, Do you know what, we've lost Abraham. Let's try and find the next best 
up and coming replacement on the continent in, in someone like Wesley is obviously, you know, across from Brazil. It's loaded with different kinds of risk. But who else are we going to buy? We're going to buy a has been or a also run Premier League striker. Are we going to be looking at players like, you know, you see names like Charlie Austin's in anything? I mean, yeah. there really aren't any you know, guarantees these days. Yeah. Long gone are the days of when pretty much every Premier League team had a 15, 20 goals a season striker. Yeah, exactly. You know, to, to go out and buy someone who will, you know, for example, to bring in a player who did what Abraham did last year, you're going to be looking at sort of 60, 70 million plus yeah. and the rest probably to go out and buy you that 20 goals a season Premier League striker. Because if you can go out and buy them, are they going to come to Villa? Probably not. Well, that's it, isn't it? You're, you're competing in that, in that. Uh, you know, you're not just competing on, on fee and wage. I, I do, you know, we spoke about it in one of the more recent podcasts. You're talking about the pull of uh, a very, very London-centric division as well. The, and, and Manchester City, you know, even that that sort of pull that um, you have to compete in a marketplace where my view is I think from pretty much eighth down any any team with that level of resource can pretty much go anywhere across continental Europe and South America and pick a player they want yeah um, through sheer resource you know but well, I think when you get when you get down to the I don't know the the cream of the crop all the same teams and agents and managers are, are in the same conversation aren't they so. Uh, that's why I don't have an issue with us looking at players like like Konsa. I'm just conscious to move it on a little bit that you know no, no one will have known a great deal about him. But when you look at the attributes and you start doing your well, research, obviously on, Smith Smith on does it, well exactly, and that's where the trust element comes in. Yeah, and I think it's good that he's um, he's clearly bringing in guys that he knows this is how I want to play, and these guys are going to fit into that system. He's clearly got putting in guys to fit to a system. He's not doing mm. what sort of Bruce did and Di Matteo did, which was. Right, who are the best players we can get? And let's just stockpile a, a squad list. Yeah, because I think we're looking in a market which is, let's say, the best championship players. Because we we know, obviously, uh, from first experience, we've played all these teams. We probably have more of a pull, no disrespect to Norwich and Sheffield mm. United. Sheffield United mm. seem to have a few uh, issues in terms of what they're going to spend or what they're willing to spend. So we can obviously... We have a let's say a, a, an advantage in that market, mm-hmm. and then whatever markets you think we're we're looking in, you know, uh, obviously there's that market where Taggart came from, which is players mm-hmm. that really are good enough to be playing first team football, but are yeah. behind like an established yes. player. I think um, I think Smith's sort of model for, for some of these players is that players who have either got promise or have showed promise, or they've definitely got something about them, but maybe their career's stalled, so they're all quite hungry players. Yeah. Well, Target's you know, a con- good example concert, of that. Yeah. And Conser sits as the, yeah. Well, Conser sits as the as the he's on that trajectory in his career of you know part of those successful under twenty and under twenty one winning England teams. Yeah. Um, has had a solid season for Brentford. Um, the the thing that caught my eye was that he that he was half of the cost of Mings or or actually more than half of cost on initial fee. Yeah. So clearly very highly prized, and I think that makes you wonder who else was looking at a player like that that we had to go in with a substantial fee. Because I do think that's a serious serious fee for for a player. I that's, do like. Who Brentford replaced him with? Which is? <laughs> Have you been paying attention? No, Bud. Uh, no, certain Leeds centre back that. Oh, I goodness, goodness, I did there, see I? this. I didn't put two and two together. There's a great, there's a great picture this. that somebody on Twitter has been using it as is pretty much as a gift to sum up pretty much every conversation. I think he used it on me. I mean, Leeds have just gone. The picture of Pontus with that Brentford shirt on, with a look of like he's he's on death row. 
It looks like he's on death row. And, and I have to say, if, if um, and I'm so glad you brought this up, David, because the photograph, it looks like he's sitting in someone's shabby old front room. Yep. There's, yeah, some, there's a random photo over his, and he's got the scabbiest chewed Bic pen that he's signing the contract with. <laughs> It's and the face of you know that face when he was just sat on the ground after they'd been I forget was it when they, when we defeated Derby it was Derby picking fun and and he just had that look of abject like the world would literally ended around him he looks <laughs> the least impressed person to have arrived in Brentford ever Pontus Janssen I, he couldn't the, the decline and collapse of of both Leeds and his career is is quite amusing for for me I. I yeah, it's, it couldn't have happened to a nicer man. I mean, for example, uh, the Scott Hogan touch count uh, meter. What happens to the Scott Hogan touch count meter if uh, Scott Hogan goes leaves Villa? Well, if he goes to a Championship club, for me, I think we keep it going as a as mm. a portal into the Championship because there's a few mm. plots and permutations that are quite interesting. As you know, obviously a team that's been in that division for three years because yeah, I want to see what happens to Leeds. I'm curious. I'm cu- always oh, uh, curious about <laughs> Forest. It's quite remarkable. Well, the, now they've got uh, Albert Adoma. There's a there's a strong thread there for us. Yeah, but yeah, that could be a portal into the Championship. What what happens if Scott Hogan goes to MLS or? Uh, China or or the Indian Super League or whatever it's called. We, we all get on a we all get on a plane. That's what happens. Scott Hogan's a Championship winning striker now. I think he could be you know twice twice Dan, twice. twice twice promoted. I mean the, yeah, he didn't win the championship. The, uh, didn't kick a ball in either. But <laughs> I mean remarkable, isn't yeah. it? Does he get two medals? Did we work this out yet? Do we have we ascertained whether he's now the proud owner of two? Skybet branded medals. I don't think he did, actually. There's also the wild card yotta. Mm. <laughs> could go, I, could go anywhere. Go way. That really could. I'm really interested to see because my, my memory of, of Yotta is is of perhaps our first season in the Championship when... Uh, destroying Villa twice. He destroyed us for Brentford and uh, that player's still there, isn't he? Yeah. You know, it's still him. He's, t- he's, t- he's technically clearly a very well, we don't know player. because he's been at the Blues and they'd probably... Drain his soul, <laughs> and he's had and he's had Gary, bloody Gardner, and Craig. Drain his soul as well as his football ability. So, uh, <laughs> who knows? Who knows what's left? I think for him, it's a fresh start. It looks like that way for a few of these guys. You know, Matt Target's the same. He's looking at a a fresh start, a chance to sort mm. of move on in his career and and really get a new lease of life. Certainly, even like Mings to a certain extent. You know, he's kind of admitted that you know his, his career never really took off at Bournemouth, which obviously yeah. it didn't. Mm. Um, there's a lot of guys who it's essentially it's a young hungry team mm. which on the face of it you'd say is exciting you know will naivety come into that through the season yeah I'm sure it will but mm. it, but the knows? big question bud is will Villa fans love this team and let's get into media Muppets Right, so Media Muppets, uh, where it's basically an extension of the written form, but uh, I just want to talk about a couple of things. The first one is, uh, and, and it's now happening daily, is these, I think it's the Birmingham Mail that does it, and maybe, that, what's that clickbait site, HITC or whatever, hmm. they put in the headline, Villa fans will love this. For example, when the rumours were like Mings were coming, they ran a, a headline, this man is back at Bodymore Heath and Villa fans will love it. And so you haplessly click on this and it's like this man. So it's like a mystery reveal. Everybody's saying, oh, Mings, Mings, Mings. And it's just, oh, John McGinn's back in training. He's returned. So then there's another one. I mean, I've got like five examples here. He had a go at me. Villa fans will love this untold 
Tyron Ming story. Nothing. And it's a nothing story. Big headline. Then you read it and it's about some player that used to play with him, you know, once upon a time played against him once. It was the only player I remember playing that day. This is like uh, when he was like 19. And he clearly stood out from the rest. I think he was 19 or 20 at the time and he came straight in from non-league. He was loud and I I think he had a go at me during the game. I just thought this lad had some potential. And that is the only reference to the, he had a go at me. Aston Villa fans will love this untold Tyron Ming story. There's no story there. It's just a fucking clickbait headline. So next one, Aston Villa fans will love what Scott Hogan has decided to do. Now, what do you think they're implying there? Retirement. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Or... I don't know. I, I, I really hate this stuff. Has agreed to appear on the Scott Hogan touch count meter on the My Own Man Said <laughs> oh, podcast. Be, get him on. He wouldn't get a look in here either. But, I mean, you'd probably do it if we were like getting, you know, two million listeners or something where his agent goes, oh, this would be good for your profile. We'll get out to two, two million people and know who you are. This will get you a transfer, Scotty. Yeah, Fleetwood Towner on the phone. Tell, tell all your friends to listen to the show. If we can get up to two million, then uh, Scott Hogan will actually be on. This. He, he can do like the host job. But yeah, but, the, <laughs> but this whole uh, deceitfulness of Aston Villa fans will love what Scott Hogan decided to do. And what did he decide to do? He decided to train. He came in like a week early or whatever. He could have been off a few more days on international duty. Well, hello, get him a medal. I mean, no disrespect for Scott Hogan, but, you know, he's hardly played and he needs, and he knows his career, certainly in the short term, is on the line. So he needs to make an impression and and battle his way back into... uh, I mean, they're setting the bar very low, aren't they, compared to Ross McCormack, who couldn't even open his own gate. Is that the comparison? Yeah, footballer turns up for work is basically... Congratulations, you actually earned your thirty. But it's, but you know, but it's, you know, we we shouldn't get at Scott Hogan for this because he's not the one writing like some uh, misleading article and making it out to be some great thing. I'm being very defensive of uh, Scott Hogan, who uh, whose name uh, we've trademarked. (laughs) He just doesn't know it yet. (laughs) Next uh, headline: Big a big talent. Aston Villa fans will love this pundit's gushing verdict on 15 million star. This is Danny Mills, as if he's relevant what what he's got to say <clears throat> saying mac target is good basically uh but villa needs to gel a team having some ex-player state the obvious is what that basically is that you know big talent aston villa fans will love this pundits gushing verdict on 15 million stars gushing verdict that's a horrible turn of phrase danny mills gushing oh, it's not a, it's not god it's can not you imagine one, the headline no. danny mills says matt target is a big talent who's clicking on that nobody <laughs> nobody <laughs> not even danny no, mills exactly it's low rent, it's, what it? is it a lamb uh, wolf dressed up as sheep's clothing but it's not what's 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 it uh what's inside the sheep's clothing it's just a big turd, basically, isn't it? <laughs> mm. A turd dressed up in sheep's clothing, mm. I think, is the way to describe mm. these villa fans will love. That's a nice sounding. That's a nice sounding lamb shank, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Unzip it and Keith <laughs> Winers falls just out. Just a manky, a manky kebab. And all another one. All summer long, the Tyron Mings interview. Aston Villa fans will love. And that it was the most lamest thing I've ever read. I think it was like just the club one as well. And it, and it was just basically him saying, yeah, I'd like to come all, you know, to Villa all summer long. I've been waiting. Which we knew from like May that was going to happen anyway. What about the fans, Tyrone? What about the stadium? It does boil the blood. What about the, the Villa grass? fans love thing? It's, uh... it's particularly bad this time of year where you've actually got very little to no football and 
reams and reams and reams of completely made up transfer rumor that is that is you know when you actually try to get to the bottom of a link through a link through a link through a link and then you find yeah. out that actually it's a one line quote that's made up in one of the red tops it's it speaks for itself when we're the highest spending team in the market which would suggest that well clearly the market hasn't got yeah. going yet if mm. villa are the highest spending team like no one has moved yet. One of the big us. motherfuckers, as soon as they buy one player, they're suddenly in, you know, number one in terms of the biggest spending because one player will be yeah. the amount that we've spent on, you know, a handful of players. Absolutely. But, you know, there is an argument that certain a certain section of football supporters, especially the ones on Twitter, deserve the media <laughs> they get, really. They love it. As we found out with the Sky Chap Rob Dorset, some Villa fans would rather attack somebody that's trying to, uh, you know, basically fight their corner on the Rob Dorset, who went on Sky TV. We'll play the clip now. And of course, he has crossed the divide before. He, went, he was Birmingham City's manager, won promotion with them, played for them, and yet still became Aston Villa's manager. And we talk about how toxic it is in the North East. Remember when he did that, there was rioting outside Villa Park. There were fans trying to tear the gates down. There was graffiti daubed on the, the walls at the training ground. It was horrible. Mm. And Steve Bruce walked into that environment, lasted two years and did a pretty good job. And actually, by the end of it, things didn't pan out for him. But the Villa fans, he earned their respect, if nothing else. You know, it's one of those when, the, when their faces start to snarl over and, they, you know, they really get into it. And none of it was true. Mm. And fake complete news. fake news. It was just sensationalist, you know, and, and Villa fans are essentially thrown under the bus here just for, uh, for this narrative of, uh, oh, well, you know, Steve Bruce, will Newcastle fans revolt against him because he used to be the manager of Sunderland? I don't think they will. I, I think they'll revolt against him because he's what he represents and the direction mm. of where their club's going. They've just gone from Rafa Benitez, it won a European Cup, and, and various mm. other trophies, uh, obviously, when he was at Valencia, to Steve Bruce, who uh, is the promotion expert who couldn't get Villa up. So anyway, uh, you know, I obviously called him out on Twitter, but mainly it was, I mean, the journalist doesn't matter. He's on the show. Sky are, are reporting out to, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. Villa fans are, you know, rabid dogs that essentially riot and uh, vandalise their own stadium, which yeah, is pretty defamatory, if you ask me. And then, and then backtracks by saying, oh, but it was a mistake. And then, uh, so you're expecting a retraction on the show, because that's where the crime's committed, and that's the audience it's gone out to. Obviously, he gets abuse on Twitter. I sent him a thing basically saying, hi, Rob and Sky News. I think, you, you know, retraction is needed here. And he does uh, finally uh, apologise. And the, but the apology is said, oh, yeah, it's kind of almost like, oh, yeah, sorry, uh, Aston Villa fans, I, you know, mixed up my managers. Fair enough. You know, he said, I, sorry, it was uh, it was McLeish uh, for the protest. On the show, he didn't mention a protest. He mentioned a riot and, van, you know, vandalising gates. So you know, there was a lot of fans who think, oh, he's apologised, he's all right. What, what are you making a big deal about this? Well, the apology should be on TV because the problem here is the accusation of, you know, vandalising and rioting. And you could go on to the bigger picture of how the media just perpetually portrays football fans the lowest common denominator is like mindless thugs, Neanderthal animals, whatever. And this gets passed on. So when, for example, the Football Supporters Association are trying to discuss train reduct price reductions and trying to get better deals uh, for you know away fans to travel or whatever, the train companies just think animals. 
you know, we don't want animals on our trains because that's the narrative that's force-fed every opportunity by the media. Aston Villa, premature pritch invasion against the baggies. Uh, Villa fans crowd round the edges and because, uh, you know, they're going to go to Wembley and ref blows his whistle for something else and fans go on the pitch because they think it's, you know, they think it's over. And suddenly it's the dark ages, you know, it just it lies, and you know that was across all media, BBC, and you know you'd have get Gary Lineker saying, "I don't think it was that bad." Like to his was it Lawrenson that was uh, doing it, mm-hmm. and then Phil McNulty mm-hmm. just you know went to town on the Dark Ages thing. Can't and this is it. a this is a football thing. It's not a Villa fan. I'm you know I'm not going. Oh, you said bad things about Aston Villa. It's a football thing. It's it's every f- football fan has this you know situation, but also it's it goes to a wider context of it's how news is they don't nobody gives a shit now what is real doesn't matter anymore facts are almost obsolete and i responded to uh, rob dorsett's apology and said well this really should be on tv and i you know just for a bit of spice i just said oh i'm, I'm you know taking legal advice you know taking legal advice was essentially just consulting the lawyer about defamation and why hasn't this been a kind of a precedent because obviously you know football fans like for example liverpool have been dragged through the shizen with the sun and you'd think mm-hmm. there'd be some for decades. decades you think there'd be some precedent where that actually makes them think oh hang on a minute uh you know we got our uh, wrist slapped over that fans turned on me because i just mentioned legal advice and you know they're thinking i'm i'm gonna take legal action against murdoch well i don't think i am because uh you know i don't really have the resources to take on a multi-trillionaire media baron uh but but the responses to to that tweet do provi- will provide us with many 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 hours of content across yeah. years of content down so thank you and it did provide me. We've some already amusement. slipped him some subliminal <laughs> messages through the show already. That nonsense, <laughs> nonsense. nonsense. Yeah, I know. But watch it for announcement. <laughs> I mean, our announcement. But just, just ridiculous. And you, and you just see these things like suddenly, you know, these people have turned on, you know, their own who were fighting their corner to decide. Right, we, we'd rather call you a cunt and call you a nonce and whatever for actually fighting our corner rather than going after the person that's been calling you basically a bunch of low life cunts. Here, here. But it's but it's Sky Sports. So what Sky Sports says goes. I think the point is that, I, and this is this links into the clickbait stuff and then the media, all the media muppets things, is that there's a huge overwhelming tsunami oh, of meaningless it's not even news i don't think you can class it as news it's not what i recognize as news and if you you know if in you know not so long ago if you'd have picked up an actual physical newspaper and it would have been presented in the way that this clickbait rubbish and this stupid rolling news where because the rolling news channel is actually the it is the television equivalent of the of the news yeah. feed isn't it they've just they've got to find any angle on anything to fill out to fill constant coverage and it's got to the point actually where like the rob dorsett thing is that he was just that was just a stream of consciousness yeah. that fell out of yeah. his face you know he didn't and if he hadn't actually been called out on it in you know, a half-assed twitter apology is one yeah. thing but it sort of underlines the the lack of accountability i think across media and well there and is no what they've got is huge huge power to to do as they please but the mentality of like for example twitter you know i used to interview uh, actresses and the most fed on in terms of paparazzi and uh, media like Mm. for example kira knightley and sienna miller and you know sienna miller first time i interviewed her this is before the tsunami of crap as you've said she you know she was fantastic really great spirit really great fun and then uh, the next time was like six i don't know six seven months after when basically the media had 
gone after her. And, you know, mm. you have the conversations. I mean, they get boring because they're always the same eventually. But when you're first talking to them about this experience, as they're saying, you know, you've got like seven or eight or nine, ten guys outside your house. When you leave, they follow you. You know, they call you bitch. They mm. call you, you know, cunt and whatever. And if you take that camera out of their hands, then it's suddenly you've got, you know, 10, 12 guys following you around all around. You know, that is, that's weird. It's a, you know, it's harassment. Mm. And, if, you know, you're a young, early 20s uh, woman. It's it's not actually very nice. But then you look on, you know, Sienna Miller and Kieran Knightley have, you know, have all successfully sued uh, the Red Tops. And, you know, you, you see the reaction of like, you know, Twitter and go, oh, they're fucking bitches anyway. Oh, you know, they fucking deserve, you know, deserve it. You know, oh, they're getting, you know, paid that money, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, but the media didn't give a fuck. They just churn it out. They don't care about football fans. They just abuse it. And mm. at the end of the day, Sky, Sky Sports are making shitloads of money off people. Well, they're making they're making all this money and all this revenue out of advertising that's built upon this. This always fascinates me with the advertiser thing, really, that they're they're wanting to place probably quite valuable brands in amongst something that's yeah. worthless, absolutely worthless. And I think that there is a tipping point actually at the moment. We've we've spoken recently, you know, some some of our content appears in amongst some of the most unbelievable clickbait that you think, well, who is reading this? And you start to see comments, particularly, you know, we've mentioned the Birmingham Mail. The Birmingham Mail has to be one of the most worthless websites for something that should be positioned as a very... It should be the the local knowledge, really, shouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it's actually, they've completely abandoned their sole purpose in favour of not just clickbait, but embedding, creating a a maze of of things that you accidentally click on basically so they get some sort of revenue that's the kind of tactics of you know that i think of 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 websites that are actually you know they're worthless they're junk websites they're spam it's and i think the worm's starting but the to bottom turn line on, is they're honest. not respecting their readership stroke football sports so when you know i get the uh the turnaround of people are giving me shit for like you know basically mm. uh just standing and saying look this isn't good enough and you and you're really disrespecting people then you just mm. think well people deserve this shit really because they don't they don't aim for anything higher and you've got people you know who run over accounts and blogs you know telling you to delete stuff and these are the people are putting out articles that we've signed players welcome to aston villa uh, yeah leroy fur articles were coming out of people's asses left right and center he never yes, signed i remember you've got other yeah. aggregate <laughs> accounts so desperate to be first to get the likes and the clicks uh, you know they're announcing our playoff this isn't this year this is last year they announced that official Aston Villa will play Derby in the semi-final of the playoff. If only they'd waited until the actual other games had finished when Middlesbrough managed to <laughs> score in the last minute and then twist who played who in the... Uh, and, you know, we ended up playing Middlesbrough. And you just think, nobody cares about getting it 100% right. No, it's who's first. It's who first, and people just put out, you know, things for likes. Oh, you know, all positivity and, oh, yeah, you know, pictures, 100 pictures of Mings or whatever just to get the likes and the <laughs> clicks and whatever. There's no editorialization of it. There's no humor or anything. It's just basically for the safe likes. And that is the level that everybody's happy with and they're in the comfort zone with in this instance you know by all means say aren't you going you know aren't you going a bit too far with that well well yeah that's half you know half the point is you, you're trying to get a reaction but you don't call somebody a cunt and a nonce or whatever it's just it is a cesspool although our cunt and nonce t-shirts yeah, so they will were... be available shortly <laughs> from the just waiting shop. for their delivery from china <laughs> tony's tony's dropping them off <laughs> anyway that's uh that's enough of that do you feel better now david does <laughs> This has been quite a ranty episode, hasn't it? (laughs) 
Anyway, let's uh, get out there. Please do subscribe to the podcast on uh, iTunes, Stroke Apple, Spotify, and all the other podcast apps if you use them, Pod Addict, CastBox, etc., etc. Please do buy a podcast T-shirt or a, a nonce T-shirt to support the show. Join the <laughs> Facebook group, The Mad Few. We do a monthly uh, question and answer show for that group now. The, the actual the level of uh, conversation is uh, much higher than those guys on Twitter. Only class acts in the, in the Facebook group. I mean, we've got academics in that group. Well, I need to join this group. Is that why maybe that's why the standard of conversation isn't so high on Twitter. You turned your back on Facebook <laughs> and you just you just prefer to swim backstroke in uh, the cesspool that is uh, Twitter. It's, I can't deny it. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fair comment. It's my niche. <laughs> your honour. Just uh, quickly also, thanks uh, for the patrons, uh, Adam Treadaway, Jamie Thomas, Ollie Wright, Mark Tatler, Pete Brooks and Johan Strandvist for upping their pledges as well. Please do consider being a Myoman Said patron to get extra bonus podcasts, etc. by going to myomansaid.com and uh, checking out the patron option on the menu bar. Thank you very much for listening to the show and sticking with it. Uh, we're getting closer to that kickoff at White Hart Lane, the new Space Age version. Until next time, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. My old man said. Coming up on the Mom's Patreon bonus extended version of the show. I'm still waiting for the uh, the resurrection of Henry, Henry Lansbury into a footballer. I th- what was the game that he came? Was, did he come against? Came against the That's Blues, the didn't one, he? And yeah. he got subbed off about 10 minutes I later. I thought that was like the second coming, and then it was like, ah, oh, he's gone. We're, we're going to need a third coming with Lansbury. <laughs> didn't, he, uh, didn't he pull his hamstrings celebrating Hutton's goal? <laughs> I think it's I pulled was. mine as well. <laughs> <laughs> you were yeah, upon the balcony that day. Yeah, on that weird it was dangerous. Uh, non-spot. So what will happen is we'll get to the last day, we'll we'll buy Butland for seven million, Jed Steer will go to bed and wake up in Charlton. That's how that's oh how my God. the usual routine, isn't it? Or we'll end up in that Huddersfield with Elfie. was all again. a dream. I'm still in Charlton. But it feeds it comes from we've talked about this the, the media narrative to death, but well it feeds into this notion that all football fans are animals, must be yeah. treated like children, I can't be trusted with you know, when you actually strip it away, does it does it make make any difference whether you drink your beer that that you've bought on the concourse or in the stand. And as we've said before, you know, why can I go to the rugby and sit in full view with a beer? Why can I go to the cricket and sit with a beer? I can sit with a jug of wine, a box of wine at the cricket. No one so much as fucking bats an eyelid. You can can take your own bottle of wine. (laughs) You know, the golf, the the golf is somewhere I was about four feet away from McElroy with a point, with a pint, you know, it's like, what? Well, you can go to the darts and get absolutely shit I tell you what it is. As that is the culture of the sport. The actual... These Twitterati that actually go to games, and I think that's a minority, they're the ones that cause all the trouble at the games, you see. So that's why they've had to ban everything and stop you doing anything. (laughs) Apparently so. Nonsense. Nonsense. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.